Welcome to Archway's Western Civilization History Podcast for Families. In our podcast, we look for the best of the West and discuss the stories, events, themes, and people that made the West different than the rest. This past month at an Army leadership course in Fort Leavenworth, I was reintroduced to this ancient philosophy called Stoicism. As I've studied it these past few weeks, it has helped me through some serious trials that I've been experiencing, and it has a very clear connection to previous episodes and future episodes of this podcast as we dive deeper into Rome. And so I thought it would be valuable to discuss Stoicism today. First, we'll discuss how it ties into the other episodes. Then we'll discuss its history, starting from Athens and spreading to Rome, and then even America and our modern world today. After this episode is over, tune in again next week when I take a deep dive into the specific tenets of Stoicism, and you can learn how to start practicing Stoicism in your own life. In my previous episode, I discussed an important Roman historian and friend of emperors Vespasian, Titus, and Domitian. He was a Jewish priest named Josephus. And like these three emperors, Josephus was a member of the Flavian dynasty. Unfortunately, that dynasty would not endure much longer after Josephus' death. Emperor Domitian, like Nero before him, had a god complex which made the people of Rome deeply unhappy. This prompted a coup, and Domitian was assassinated and replaced with Nerva. Although this was bad news for the Flavius family, it was good news for Rome, for Nerva was the first of what Machiavelli called the Five Good Emperors. The Five Good Emperors ruled Rome during a unique time period without civil wars, coups, or assassinations. It was a time of relative tranquility, prosperity, and centralization of imperial power. Instead of earning the people's respect through violence or fear, these emperors won it through good governance. In future episodes, I would like to talk more about these emperors. But to better understand these emperors, it would be helpful to understand the underlying philosophy that undergirded them and their culture at the time, Stoicism. In fact, one of the five good emperors, Marcus Aurelius, was not just a practitioner of Stoicism, no, no, he is widely regarded as a Stoic philosopher himself. Stoicism has its origins in ancient Athens around the 4th century BC. It was a time when philosophers abounded. This was because every wealthy parent wanted their son to be educated by a great philosopher in rhetoric, mathematics, physics, and most importantly, life. The term philosophy comes from philo, meaning lover, and sophia, meaning wisdom, or lovers of wisdom. Inspired by their intellectual forebears, Socrates, Plato, and Aristotle, the Athenian teachers of this time period developed new schools and pushed the old schools in new directions through rigorous debate and writing. The greatest teachers were most motivated and perplexed by the question of, what is the good life? Often, when they taught mathematics, rhetoric, or science, they were trying to tie it to their philosophy of happiness. These teachers were especially inspired by the teachings of Plato, who taught that pursuing virtue and sacrificing temporary pleasures can lead to enduring happiness. The school that eventually took over at Plato's old academy 
was known as the skeptics. The skeptics believed that pure truth had not been discovered, that nothing can be known or stated for certain, and that empiricism was the only way to assert anything. Meanwhile, one of Aristotle's students founded an opposing school known as the Cynics. Cynicism holds that the purpose of life is to live a life of virtue in agreement with nature. Cynics were to live a life free of possessions and property. They taught that the world belongs equally to everyone. They believed that suffering is caused by a misalignment of what is truly valuable due to societal pressures, customs, and conventions. These two schools, in turn, were opposed by the Hedonists, a school led by Aristippus, who was a friend of Socrates. The Hedonists believed that happiness and meaning was to be found in the pursuit of pleasure and limiting pain. Epicurus and his Epicureans developed this concept even more so, teaching that pleasure was sought for and found through avoiding all suffering by withdrawing from all society and responsibilities. The sophists were also an opponent to philosophers, as they were those who sold their skills in reason, grammar, and ethics to the highest bidder, rather than seeking knowledge for knowledge's sake. They were especially loathed by Plato and the cynics. It was in the midst of this tumult of opinions and bandying of ideas that Stoicism was born. According to legend, the founder of Stoicism, a merchant named Zeno of Kidium, was shipwrecked off the coast of Greece around 300 BC. He found his way to Athens, and he wandered into a bookshop. He was immediately attracted to the work of Socrates, resting on the shelves. He asked the scroll keeper how to find the man, but by that point Socrates had long been dead. The merchant simply pointed out of the shop to a passerby. That passerby was Crates of Thebes, and Zeno immediately went out and sought to be a disciple of the man. Crates happened to be the preeminent cynic philosopher of Athens at the time, and so Zeno incorporated many of the ideas of the cynics into his very ascetic life. But he soon diverged from them in key ways, and he developed his own unique philosophy with his own students. His disciples, not wanting to create a cult of personality around Zeno, called themselves Stoics, in reference to the stoas, or covered porticos, that they debated under. Zeno taught, man conquers the world by conquering himself. Essentially, he preached that self-control and fortitude were the means of overcoming destructive emotions. Through harnessing these virtues, one could gain clear judgment and inner calm and ultimately find freedom from suffering. Despite Stoics believing they had complete control over themselves and their reactions, they recognized fate and nature and that there was still much outside of their control. Zeno's attitude toward this was very Taoist. What happens, happens. There's no use worrying about what you can't control. He believed that the best you can do is live in accordance with nature. He also believed that nature had made all of us, men and women, equal. Zeno seemed to live a happy and meaningful life. He spent most of his time doing his favorite things, drinking wine, eating figs, mocking the wealthy elite Athenian elites. However, one day around 262 BC, an aged Zeno tripped and fell, breaking his toe. 
Thinking that this was nature sending him a message that he was too old to keep on living, instead of recovering, he strangled himself right there on the spot. With Zeno gone, Cleanthes of Assos continued teaching Stoicism. He is best known for his Hymn to Zeus, where he expresses his awe and reverence for the cosmic order, the power of universal reason and law, which the Stoics saw as pure good. In fact, even from the most ancient Stoics and beyond, Stoics have always revered gods or a god as the source of universal order and the gift of reasoning. Anyway, Cleanthes trained Chrysippus of Soli. Chrysippus wrote and harmonized the teachings of his masters, and according to philosophybasics.com, he was the first Stoic to build up a unified account of the world, consisting of formal logic, materialistic physics, and naturalistic ethics. Because of his work, Stoicism became the foremost school for the wealthy Athenian elite. It produced a number of the most important Greek writers, leaders, and scholars. From the heights of the Athenian elite, it spread to Rome like Greek fire, thanks in large part to the diligence and writings of two Greeks who lived in Rome, Penetius and Poseidonius. These two adapted the core of Stoicism for the sensibilities of their Roman audience, who were known as far more practical and honor-focused than the Greeks. And you know what they say, when in Rome, do as the Romans do. These two soon opened up schools that quickly became the most influential in Rome. All of the Roman elites sent their kids there to study. The result of their efforts was a philosophy far more focused on duty and responsibility, more interested in moral philosophy and natural sciences, and much more family-oriented and pro-government than the original anarchist, free-love, hippie dreams of Zeno. Soon, Stoics became ubiquitous in Rome. In the first century AD, the Emperor Nero's closest advisor and speechwriter was a Spaniard Stoic named Lucius Seneca the Younger. His written works would later inspire St. Augustine, Dante, John Calvin, Montaigne, and Rousseau. He taught Nero that the entire world was a community. He advocated for the humane treatment of slaves. Unfortunately, his lessons fell on deaf ears. The young, narcissistic emperor grew more paranoid and power-hungry, and he eventually ordered Seneca to commit suicide. Before Seneca carried out the order, he told his assembled family and friends, as well as the Praetorian guards, that he bequeathed unto them, quote, the noblest possession yet remaining to him, the pattern of his life, which, if they remembered, they would win a name for moral worth and steadfast friendship, close quote. He exhorted them to hold back their tears and face this trial with manly resolution. Though Nero was unmoved by Seneca's teachings, one hundred years later, Seneca's teachings would profoundly influence a new emperor, Marcus Aurelius. During his teenage years, Marcus was adopted as heir to the empire by his uncle Antoninus. Spending years as an heir, he received the best education Rome had to offer from Stoic philosophers Apollonius and the successor to Seneca, Rusticus. When Marcus was to become emperor, he wrote a reminder to himself when he took the name Caesar, quote, See that you do not turn into a Caesar. Do not be dipped into the purple dye, for that can happen, close quote. From the very beginning of his reign, Marcus resolved to reign as a Stoic. 
The result was an emperorship with a distinct lack of pomp, and the citizens loved him for it. He also sought to make decisions based on reason. When tempted to rage, he reminded himself, quote, It isn't manly to be enraged. Rather, gentleness and civility are far more human, and therefore manlier. A real person doesn't give way to anger and discontent, and such a person has strength, courage, and endurance, unlike the angry and complaining. The nearer a man comes to a calm mind, the closer he is to strength. Close quote. Throughout Marcus's life, he wrote his thoughts in multiple volumes of journals that became known as meditations. They have since become one of the most well-known and important Stoic works. Marcus wrote simply, but the topics he covered reached beyond heaven to the sublime. Marcus experienced many tragedies in his life, but he found solace in expressing his Stoic thoughts in writing. For example, when his wife Faustina gave birth to twin boys, new coins were minted with engravings of the two babies. And they had the legend Temporum Felicitas, the happiness of the times, written on the bottom of the coins. These coins were distributed throughout the empire. Unfortunately, the boys died less than a year later. Heartbroken, Marcus wrote in meditations, quote, One man prays, how may I not lose my little child? But you must pray, how I may not be afraid to lose him, close quote. Meditations is filled with much more wisdom such as this. Clearly, Marcus was a wise man and a noble spirit. The historian Herodian wrote that Marcus Aurelius, alone of the emperors, gave proof of his learning not by mere words or knowledge of philosophical doctrines, but by his blameless character and temperate way of life. Quote. In the centuries that followed Marcus, the Romans eventually converted to Christianity. Though Stoicism was now regarded as a pagan philosophy, its tenets were never truly abandoned. Early Christian writers often wrote in Stoic terms and found many parallels between Stoicism and Christianity, and they embraced many of the ideals of Stoicism. This is similar to how Josephus, who was a Pharisee, wrote that his Jewish sect was very st similar to Stoicism. Likewise, the Apostle Paul, who was also a Pharisee, found much in common between his personal beliefs and the Stoics. This is abundantly clear in the book of 1 Corinthians, where Paul wrote in explicitly Stoic terms to his Greek audience. Paul also debated with the Stoics at Mars Hill under the Stoas during his stay in Athens in Acts chapter 17. In these chapters, and many others, we see Paul employing Stoic terms and metaphors to assist new Gentile converts in their understanding of Christianity. Stoic influences are seen in the works of St. Ambrose, Marcus Minucius Felix, and Tertullian. The Orthodox Church made the Stoic ideal of dispassion as one of their own ideals, and the Catholic Church has this specifically Stoic teaching, that sex is bound to marriage for unitive and procreative purposes exclusively. Stoicism's influence even extended into the modern era. For one thing, it greatly influenced the founding fathers of the United States of America. The founders' perception of virtue was often described in Stoic terms. Stoicism also provided solace to the founders, giving them the courage to face hardships, death, and old age. Seneca's work was the last thing Thomas Jefferson had read before he died. The old statesman left the book open on his reading table as he took his last breath on July 4, 1826.
John Adams turned to the Stoics when his wife, Abigail, died. A young George Washington turned to Stoicism when his best friend married Sally Fairfax, the woman he loved and the woman whose heart he yearned for. Even fast-forwarding to now, in our modern culture, we still idealize Stoicism. Both Bill Clinton and Jim Mad Dog Mattis reported that Marcus Aurelius's Meditations was their favorite book. There are dozens of Stoic podcasts out there, Stoic Coffee Break, The Daily Stoic, The Art of Manliness, and just think how often we see Stoic heroes in Hollywood and literature. The Jedi from Star Wars, Atticus Finch from To Kill a Mockingbird, Lan from The Wheel of Time, Aragorn from Lord of the Rings, The Man from Cormac McCarthy's The Road, Jack Reacher, Picard from Star Trek, Forrest Gump, and of course, Maximus from Gladiator, the Roman general turned slave whose spiritual guide and father figure was Marcus Aurelius himself. And that concludes our episode for today. Join us next week when I dive deep into the tenets of Stoicism and learn how to practice Stoicism in your own life. Sources used today were the Encyclopedia Britannica, philosophybasics.com, the Art of Manliness podcast episode 316, the American Founding by Daniel Robinson and Richard Williams, and Introducing Stoic Ideas from reddit.com slash r slash stoicism. Please leave a five-star review for our show in your podcast app, and we'll see you next week. That's history for you.